Welcome to Conscious Physician Medicine and Psychedelics, where we give voice to experts and people in the community using psychedelics as medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Lita Fatemi. Thanks for being here. Here we are with our next episode of Conscious Physician Medicine and Psychedelics with Catherine Lawson. Catherine, tell us about yourself because I just met you too. So this is awesome for all of us to get to know you. Mm-hmm. Huh. So I liked, you know, there's the dry academic version, but I kind of prefer to tell it in the way of story because that's more how our lives evolve anyway, who we are evolves anyway, right? It's our story of, of us. So I got my master's degree in counseling psychotherapy and I practiced for quite a long time doing counseling, really focused on grief and trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, my degree was in depth psychotherapy, which is heavily based in Jungian and imaginal psychotherapy. Um, and later on, I also got a certification, a three-year certification in a very specialized form of dream work called embodied imagination, which is also based in, in, in some part in Jungian psychotherapy. While I was getting that certification, I was diagnosed with cancer. And so two major things happened. One, while I was going through the cancer treatment, I was using this powerful dream work method called embodied imagination to help me navigate the experience. And it was incredibly helpful. The other thing that happened is sort of as I was going through it, I realized that my medical doctors and the oncologists and the radiologists and everyone were just valiantly fighting to save my body Mm. and my spirit and really my emotional state were in disarray, (laughs) right? Because a cancer diagnosis is in almost every case, a trauma, right? You're faced with your own mortality. If you go to the DSM and you look up symptoms of PTSD, one of them is being faced with your own mortality, right? And so because that piece wasn't being tended to, I fell back into some symptoms of CPTSD, which I had a previous diagnosis with. So when I got well, I, well, I actually had already started a doctorate in uh, East-West psychology when I got sick. And after one semester, I had to withdraw. When I was well enough, I decided I wanted to continue and get a doctorate, but I decided to follow a, a degree in mind-body medicine. So I have my PhD in mind-body medicine or integrative mental health was my specialty. And the reason that I decided to do that was because I needed to get on a bit of a soapbox about how important it is that we are treated holistically. So for a number of years, I spoke with groups, international groups of psych oncologists, all kind of people about what the symptoms of PTSD look like in a client, in a patient, and how important it is that you know, our treatment is is more integrated because each piece supports the other, essentially. Um, 
And so I worked with cancer patients for a number of years, providing embodied imagination as a sort of um, complementary treatment for them. And that's kind of, you know, I did that and kept a private practice going and also worked as an embodied imagination practitioner for, for any number of years. I was aware of the benefits spiritually and in other ways of psychedelic medicine, um, psychologically, but not so into it like where I am now, where I'm training people. And a couple of things happened that led me to, to launch a school essentially all around this, this topic. One of the things that happened is I got affiliated with MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, on their website as a plant medicine integration specialist. And the way that I was helping people to integrate their psychedelic medicine experiences was using embodied imagination, a dream work practice, among other things. It's used with dreams, it's used with memories, it's used with psychedelic visions, projects, it's used in any number of ways, but it's based on dream work. And so I came to understand and begin to research quite deeply the parallels between dreaming, mysticism, and psychedelics. And this was leading up to my doctoral dissertation, right? Just kind of looking at all of these things. As time went on, one, I had some amazing experiences healing with MDMA in a psychotherapeutic setting with a, a licensed psychotherapist who obviously was practicing underground because right now we're not allowed to do that. I hope that changes very soon and MAPS is, I know, doing all that they can because in my experience, I came to feel that actually what's criminal is that that's not available to people. Yes. Not that it's criminal to use these things because I've seen the kind of healing that I've had to go through two, three, five years of talk therapy with people who have drama get kind of handled in a matter of months with proper integration and preparation and some MDMA therapy. So I'm like, this is criminal, all these families, all these people who are suffering, what? You know, so that made a bit of an evangelist out of me. And then a family member, I've been pretty vocal about this. Um, I have his permission to share the story. Um, I hope Child Protective Services doesn't come after me. But actually my son, my son at a very young age, age 13, was diagnosed with a very severe form of depression, childhood depression, yeah. that was accompanied by fairly constant suicidal ideation. I was told even by doctors at Stanford here, I live in Palo Alto, that he would be dealing with this for the rest of his life. He was hospitalized, he was put on multitudes of medications, he was in residential treatment, it was a nightmare for our family and especially for him. And after the last residential treatment program that he was in, he came home and he said, Mom, this isn't working. I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. I feel like a zombie. The medicines made him gain weight. It was just awful. And he said, I want to try psilocybin. And because I was affiliated with MAPS, I was following along with everything that was happening. I tried psilocybin myself. I looked up the protocol that they were using with vets and victims of sexual trauma and people who were depressed. Mm -hmm. And I 
ran my son through the protocol. Beautiful. And by the way, psilocybin is legal here in California. And my son is now a happy and thriving 17 year old without depression. Yes. Yes. Psilocybin oh. saved his life. And the family. And I didn't used to be able to tell this story without crying, right? I mean, it was a hell. And I think of all the families oh. who are in that hell who have family members with that kind of depression and that there's relief, not for everyone. I'm not talking about magic pills here and you know I'll talk about how important the preparation and integration piece is. But between those things, mm -hmm. I felt I didn't have a choice but to become an evangelist. Yeah. And then I, back in September, I made a trip to Europe where I was teaching about dream incubation and ancient techniques for consulting with the dream world. And I was also going through initiations myself. I was with this just amazing woman who takes people on these spiritual tours of Egypt. And it just came to me. It came to me like, you have a method for integration based on dream work that really works. You have a life experience that has led you to this moment and basically i got the message that i'm meant to come back and launch this school and so that's what i've done <laughs> bumps all over me i'm <laughs> it's 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 the true purpose that you're here to offer to humanity and you're standing in it as difficult and challenging as it may be and has been. Mm -hmm. um, you brought it into this culmination of, you know, mm -hmm. now you have this beautiful, serene space is what I feel from you, that you're now able to teach your gems and, and educate those who are also on this path and want better for humanity and for themselves. Right. So that we can we can move the trajectory of our planet and our lives in right. a better direction and right. it can it can yeah yeah and and it you know although you know i have my story my sensibility about this and the feeling i've had all the way through with all of the amazing support we've gotten in launching the school and all of it is that this isn't about me this is something that's kind of coming through me but and and my life experience has lent me a lot of the tools that I needed to make it happen, but it's not about me. Yeah. And that kind of takes the pressure off. The way, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. true. We take the work seriously, but knowing that, you know, you're in a space that you can be a channel to the work is very nice. Yeah. You're yeah. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Now tell us about your school. So the school awaken the dream School of Integrative Consciousness um, is we have just actually launched. It's a three pillared school. The first pillar and the deepest one in some ways is education for um, those who want to participate in in protecting the seekers of these medicines and protecting the medicine itself. So we don't train people in anything that has to do with serving or facilitating psychedelic medicine journeys. 
What we do train is, you know, healthcare workers, therapists, social workers, or anyone else who wants to help, to help people prepare for a psychedelic journey. So we're teaching on nine different medicines, contraindications, what to expect, what to understand about set and setting, ethics, how to choose a facilitator, um, reciprocity with the original wisdom keepers. It's a very comprehensive program for the prep. So we teach people how to help people prepare. And then on the other side, we teach them how to help people integrate the experience that they've had after they've had it. And this piece is key. And truly my impression is that the whole thing is a part of integration. The whole thing is a whole, but the method for that we train people in to help people integrate is based on embodied imagination dream work. Mm-hmm. And so it's very organic in a lot of ways because embodied imagination itself is a kind of uh, expanded state of consciousness. In fact, sometimes people will revisit the journey itself, but it's in a dual state of consciousness in hypnagogia. So we're able to sort of revisit the experience they've had, whether it's with psychedelic visions or not, and glean more information out of them when they're not in a full on journey and integrate that into their everyday life in a kind of gentler, slower way. Um, And it could, you know, it can be as many sessions as is required, but the skill that people will gain is they know how to use embodied imagination to help people take this mind bending, mind blowing experience that they've had and go, now what, what was all that? And how do I make sense of this in my day to day life? Because it can open up a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyone who tells you anything other than that is yeah. not giving you the full poop. <laughs> <laughs> Reach on. That's beautiful. And it's so true. You know, people get so excited to go into the journey and they don't put enough emphasis on what do I do now after the subconscious now is in the conscious space? What do right. I do with this information? And that your integration is being able to implement what you've learned about yourself. That's where the gems that you gained through that journey mm-hmm. and they presented themselves. How do I, how do I create in this world? Because the magic that we learn about ourselves is really an implementation of what we now know about ourselves to our daily life. It's not somewhere else. It's not in that state. That state is just a, to me, is showing of some universal truths and also truths about ourselves Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, taking the judgment out and observing ourselves in, in those settings that might've been traumatic to us you know, separation of, um, you know, me being in the fear, I'm now observing the fear. Mm -hmm. And I'm very curious to hear about how do you approach the integration piece? Because that's a piece that everyone can do better in. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you know, our students and I, lean into the embodied imagination practice, which is, you know, it's a craft, 
it's the most intensive part of our training. In fact, we all get together in month four, right in the middle of the training and get together for a solid five days in Costa Rica. And that's all we do is, you know, making, I'm making sure hands on, eyes on that people are able to hold people when they're in this, you know, expanded state that is embodied imagination. But basically, you know, the short version of how it works is that we guide people into a hypnagogic state, which is very much like that state between waking and dreaming, where we remember our dreams best, where we're most sort of suggestible. Um, and we have them revisit their psychedelic experience, but with us kind of joining them in the experience and then we'll guide them if there are particular images from the memory or from a vision we actually will guide them to share a body and a perspective with an image now that can sound scary if during the vision you saw a super scary monster right or you saw a darkness that was your own death or whatever the understanding with bad trips and scary images and all of that is that it's all there for us. It's all ours. It's all there to some extent in service to our growth and wellness. And the way that we view these things is sometimes incredibly led by our habitual consciousness or our ego perspectives, which are stuck in stories that are very controlling, let's just say very often in service to survival, but not necessarily open to new and alternative information that could help us to lead the lives that we're in right now, not based in previous trauma or things like that. And so in the process of making a transit into an image in a hypnagogic state, we leave habitual consciousness behind. That's where new information becomes available to us and we anchor it in the body and that's so so powerful because psychology understands now that our we don't think ourselves whole or healed healing does not come that way it comes through the body and so the embodiment piece is really really important in how powerful this method is yeah so so we'll guide people to have these kinds of experiences embodied experiences with memories or images from their journey and then we sort of help them to figure out okay now that i've got this new mind-blowing information how does that apply to my life where is that showing up in my life or maybe where is that missing in my life how do i have reverence another way of thinking about it is this practice is a way of having and holding reverence for the experience that you just had right honoring it right hosting it and saying okay where does this fit and how can i interact with it in a way that feels like growth feels like movement right and sometimes it's ritual and sometimes it's conversations that you have with people and sometimes it's just things that you do and sometimes it's journaling and sometimes it's just sitting with it and having talking it over with someone I mean it just can show up you know integration can show up in the multitudes of ways that we're human and have histories and experiences but it's very reverent and it's very much um 
important. I mean, it. my sense is that if we're not holding the experience in this kind of reverence and integrating it into our waking lives, then why are we doing it? And how is that different than, you know, recreationally taking drugs, well, which I'm not, I'm not saying bad, only bad people recreationally take drugs or anything like that. I'm saying, go, if you're going in with an intention, then if you don't integrate the experience, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> what you doing? What's happening? Yeah. And it loses meaning. And I love how you frame it in that way of bringing reverence and sacredness to the experience. Mm -hmm. It is very sacred. It is very sacred. And there are people, you know, now that, you know, we are in this renaissance and um, there are many that are going to different countries to have the experience for multitude of reasons. And what I'm seeing is, is that missing piece of giving sacredness to, to that experience and giving it time mm -hmm. and giving it space mm -hmm. in between sessions. Mm -hmm. Or, or the oh. medicines that they're using, give it space. Give it, the, every medicine is sacred. Every medicine is teaching us something different about right. us. Right. Yeah, I have people. I've I've had people come to me and say, "Yeah, I've journeyed with ayahuasca twenty times," and 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 I and I look at them and I say to myself, in all respect, but why, why, and and like, do you know your why? You know, because with profound integration, one single ayahuasca experience is enough to keep you going for a, long time. For a lifetime, <laughs> right? And, and and you know, and and there's nothing wrong. You know, again, I'm not saying any of this in judgment. I'm just really saying it because I'm so passionate yeah. about the peace of honoring and the sacred and reverence. And at the same time, like, I'm all about the science. It's super supportive. I'm all about the research. It's super supportive. I, you know, I have a lot of practice in talking about something that's esoteric and difficult for other professionals to understand. It's probably one of the reasons that I can do this because I've been practicing with a degree in psychotherapy, but as a dream worker for decades and people are like, you do what, you know? And so, it's, it wasn't so hard to move into talking about psychedelics. And in order to support that practice, I've had to look into what's happening in the brain, right? What's happening in the neurological system and all of that matters. But without the sacred and the reverence and the reciprocity and the benefit sharing and all of those pieces, it's a lot harder to find the meaning. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and and the question is what are you doing right it's, right where's the meaning what is the meaning and when we're talking about suffering and we're talking about trauma meaning making is a big deal it's the difference between it being about nothing about bad luck about wrong place wrong time about they did this and that to me, you know, you can completely change the lens on trauma through meaning making. 
And if you're not doing that, I wish you were. (laughs) (laughs) For your own sake, you wish you were too. Because I think what I see also is a form of escapism. You know, people, you know, a therapist actually asked me this and she, she asked if people get hooked on the feeling that they get while let's say you know they're using psilocybin or any other psychedelic Mm -hmm. what'd you say (laughs) I I said yeah Mm -hmm. yeah you could you could you know the research shows that psilocybin and most psychedelics now if they're used in the proper way right the preparation with the right guide with integration in that container we don't really see that we don't see the addictive potential of any of it but when you talk to people in the community who are you know very much involved in all of this in the underground they can you know I think you know there is just not that much of an awareness or conscious approach to how do I use this to heal myself and they are suffering but anyways that's you know that's definitely something I see yeah I mean yeah I mean we're gonna see this in in we're seeing this in so many areas you know even you'll you'll even find it with meditation right the urge to do spiritual bypassing right to engage with spiritual bypassing instead of engaging with the harder stuff to look at right and we'll see it in individuals and we'll see it in groups and we'll see it in organizations and we'll see it with substances and we'll see it without substances yeah yeah absolutely hello sweetest listener thank you so much for tuning into today's episode we had an odd technological glitch in the capturing of this podcast and this is where our conversation ceases today this is the ending of this episode so sorry to leave loose ties hanging, but still wanted to stream this story as it is so moving in the sense of what's possible in the realm of dream, in the realm of psychedelic, in the realm of integration, and wanted to promote and allow space for Catherine's beautiful vision and school to be captured and shared. So all information about her program is linked in the show notes of this episode. Feel free to reach out and engage with her directly in her meaningful work. And until next time, thank you for being here. One.